You know, I had no idea when we felt led to um, start this series and plan this series weeks ago, uh, all the things that would have occurred uh, between that time and now. But God in his wisdom has, uh, has set us here for today. And so we've been in this series called The Holy Spirit Is, and we've been talking about, um, you know, all of us probably have some level of difficulty from time to time relating to the Holy Spirit because we don't have a framework for how do you relate to a spirit. A spirit is a formless essence. This is the Holy Spirit. This is part of the Trinity. This is the person of God. How do we relate to him as the Holy Spirit? And in Scripture, we see uh, that God has given us several pictures to help us understand who the Spirit is and relate to him and how he works. And so we've talked about, uh, in Scripture, one of the most often used pictures is wind. And we talked about, you know, why, why do we understand the Holy Spirit um, like wind? Because you can't see, <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit. You can't see him, but you can see his effect. And we can't really guide or direct the Holy Spirit. We use the picture of you can raise your sail like a sailboat, and you can let him take you the direction that he's going. Um, and so the Holy Spirit's like the wind. The Holy Spirit's like water. The Holy Spirit is to the soul what water is to the body. Without the presence of God, spiritually, we become very dry and dehydrated um, and, and empty. And so uh, today the picture we're going to look at is fire. The Holy Spirit is like fire. Why is the Holy Spirit like fire and why does the Bible give us this picture? Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, 19 and 20 tells us, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire. There, there it is. By night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. Thousands of years ago, when God moved to free his people from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. He, he got them out of there, got them out of, under, of all the years of slavery and oppression and was leading them to a promised land, a land that would be their own. But he, they were going somewhere none of them had ever been. So they didn't know how to get there. So God supernaturally led them with this giant cloud that would hover over them and when the cloud would move, they would follow the cloud, and they knew that cloud was leading them to the promised land. But at night, you can't see clouds. So at night, they would see this uh, burning fire in the sky, um, sort of like a cloud or a pillar, as the scripture says. And that fire was, um, that fire and cloud were, were ma physical manifestations of the presence of God. Can you imagine if? God were to say to us, Kingwood Church, we're gonna, I'm going to take you somewhere, somewhere you've never been, and a cloud hovered over the parking lot, and we were just to get under it and follow it whichever way it went. <laughs> Wouldn't that be incredible? And, and, then a, and then a fire at night. And you can imagine as some of the Israelites would lie there at night and look up and see that fire all night long. And as long as they could see the fire, they knew they were going the right way, and they knew God was with them. And can you imagine like, how, how amazing that would have been to live in that time and to see that? So that cloud and fire led them 
for, for a long, long time and ultimately led them to the mountain of God where Moses went to the mountain of God and went to the top of the mountain of God and met God in, in fire and God gave Moses, the Israelites, and all of us the Ten Commandments on that mountain. So we see this work of the Holy Spirit as, as a picture of fire, which is a physical manifestation of the presence of God. In the New Testament, I want to give you a couple of places there, we see again this picture of fire. So John was sent by God to tell everybody in Israel, hey, we've been talking about the Messiah for centuries. But God sent me to tell you, he's here. He's, he's, come, he's entering into town. He's about to go public. His ministry is about to begin. That's what John's ministry was, to do that, to prepare the way. So here's what John said when he was doing water baptism, like we're going to do next week. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is John prophesying that Jesus is coming, he's more powerful, he's better, he's holy, he's the Messiah, and, and I'm baptizing you with water for repentance. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, what we can't see at that point is that is a summary of a ton of things. <laughs> that is a really short way to put a lot of things. So Jesus did come after John. He did preach. He did teach. He did do miracles. He, he did uh, befriend sinners and, and poor and broken and lost. And He did all of the things. And then he lived as a completely innocent man. They um, tried him, and it was a mock trial. It was a fake trial. It was rigged up. They trumped up charges on him, and they ultimately beat him to death and crucified him. And on the third day, he came back from the dead and started appearing to a lot of people. And then he went to heaven. So all of that is what John has summarized. And then when he went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. And just as John said... Jesus baptized his disciples in the Holy Spirit and fire. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Remember what we said a picture of the Holy Spirit is? Suddenly a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, there's the word fire again, that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So the fire of God is the Holy Spirit's presence living in you. So how is the Holy Spirit like fire? Let me give you two ways, okay? The Holy Spirit illuminates like a fire. I remember a few years ago, I went on a backpacking trip, and it was one of those times we were in a, a drought here in Alabama and um, we went on a backpacking trip and you know we unloaded all the gear and got all settled in and started to make our dinner and then it kind of sunk in we can't make a fire <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been camping without a fire I do not recommend it it's not it's it's it the fire is more important than you think so we gathered around the fire ring like good little campers you know and got our dinner out, and we sat there, and we put a lantern in the middle of the fire ring and just kind of let it, like, 
Isn't it nice to sit around the lantern at night? You know? And the thing about a fire, though, is, is a fire is warm, and it's dynamic, and it's consuming, and it's burning. But one of the great things that it does, and I know natural light does it, but fire does it in a different way, is it illuminates. It helps us to see things. The Holy Spirit is like a fire because he illuminates the right things. He helps us to see the right things. And Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. In other words, the Holy Spirit's not this rogue agent that's just making up the things that he wants to say. What he's saying is what the Father says. What he's saying is what Jesus said. And he's not gonna just make things up. He's gonna say what, what, he's, what he's heard, what he's received, what he's gotten from them. And he's gonna lead you into all truth. Now, we gotta clarify what this verse all truth means. That doesn't mean that you know, the Holy Spirit's gonna lead you to the cure for cancer. It might be true, there, there, might be a cure, there might be a natural cure for cancer, but it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to find it. And it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to crack the code on time travel. You, you see what I'm saying? There's things that are true that the Holy Spirit isn't going to lead you to. This is a very specific context. What it means is what Charmaine prayed earlier. It means the Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all the truth about Jesus. And, and, and by the way, that's better than time travel. <laughs> that's better than the cure for cancer. That, that's Jesus. He's going to lead you into all the truth about Jesus so that you'll understand that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He really did die. He really did come back from the dead. He's going to lead you into all the truth about Jesus. When I was a teenager, um, I, I, I came from a very um, non-Christian culture and family, although my mom was a believer, our home was very, very broken and, and um, not much spiritual life there. And when some friends invited me to church and, and I gave my heart to Christ and then began to follow Jesus and man, I began to feel this great, con I, had a, I had a lot of confusion and I had a lot of inner turmoil and I had a lot of conflict. I felt like I was being torn in half. Because part of me was kind of going back the way I was raised, and part of me was trying to go toward this new way, and, and I was conflicted. And I can remember uh, one night at church, I was so conflicted about all this. I remember um, our church had a um, kind of steps like that, but they were sort of round to the side. They were kind of tucked in. You really couldn't see them um, unless you were over on one wall. And I remember just trying to find the most private place I could find in the room, and I thought, I just got to go kind of straighten this out, you know, because it's killing me. And uh, so I went to those steps and I, and I just laid myself there during a prayer time, during an altar call. And I remember just praying and praying. I didn't know how to pray out loud then because I hadn't learned any of that yet. And so I was just like praying in my heart. I, my heart was travailing and I was saying in my heart, God, please show me the truth. Please show me. I'm so confused. Please show me the truth. Please show me the truth. Please show me what's true. And if just show, I, just, I don't care. I don't care. Just show me what's true and I'll follow it. And, and I was so burdened with it. And somebody that I had never met came up behind me in the middle of this. Remember, I'm not praying out loud. Nobody can hear my thoughts. And, and this old guy put his gentle hands on my shoulder and he began to pray. And he said, Lord, I just pray for my friend. 
that you'd show him what's true. <laughs> and can I, have you ever had someone, there was something going on in your life and someone came along and prayed along that exact thing and, and it, so, it, it, it so confirmed what was happening inside you because you were hearing it outside you now and you go, man, the, and can I tell you from that moment, he put his hands on me and prayed that and it's not like I got some great revelation in that moment, that, but it, it, it confirmed for me that I was going the right way and the Holy Spirit was leading me and as I grew in faith and as I journeyed along, the Holy Spirit did show me the truth and he did illuminate and he showed me a lot about Jesus and I kept following him and greater and greater uh, amounts of freedom came into my life from that moment. The Holy Spirit is like a fire because he illuminates. He makes the, you know what happens when God moves? Can I tell you one of the great things that happens when God moves is things get clearer. Things get clearer. Man, if you, if you go back just into COVID a little, I mean, there's so much tension and anger and frustration and animosity and disagreement. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that ever totally goes away. But one of the things that does happen when the Holy Spirit's moving, when the fire of God is moving, things get clearer. Hearts get clearer. Minds get clearer. And we start to see some things more clearly that we didn't see before. And it cuts through some of the mush. <laughs> and it helps us to understand what is all of this about going on around us. Cars have headlights so you can see where you're going. You, you use a flashlight so you can see where you're going. If you're working on something in a room, you go, hey, turn all the lights on. You know, let, let's go. I want to I be able to see what we're doing here and because we need to see those things more clearly in that moment. And without light, can you imagine this? Without light, you don't even have a need for eyes. If there's no light, what would you need eyes for? Can't see anything. So God has given you spiritual eyes, but he's also given you the fire of the spirit to give you light so you can see because he wants you to see. <laughs> he wants you to see Jesus. Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only do what I see the father doing. And, and we need the Holy Spirit so we can see what the Father's doing. And that's what he does. He illuminates for us. The Holy Spirit brings clarity and confidence and joy. In, in, the, in the northern Arctic regions of the, of the world, sociologists tell us about people who live in darkness nearly six months of the year with no warm sunlight. And the rates of um, drug addiction... And alcoholism and depression and suicide are much higher in those regions than they are anywhere else in the world because we need light. <laughs> we need light naturally. We need light spiritually. And that's why the Holy Spirit, one of the pictures we see is a picture of fire. You know, in recent years, I've heard reports from missionaries and have written, uh, read some accounts that have been written of people living in spiritual, spiritually dark places in the world, a, a, a lot of times in Islam and Muslim communities, where they will report 
a vision or a dream of Jesus appearing to them like in their bedroom at night or in their house and, and talking to them. And what is that? That's the Holy Spirit illuminating Jesus for people who can't see. <laughs> That's what that is. It's a miracle. But this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit illuminates. When the light shines, minds change and hearts change and lives change. So the Holy Spirit's an illuminator. Here's the second reason, and we could give you a bunch of them, but I've kind of narrowed to two. The second reason that the Holy Spirit's like fire, the Holy Spirit purifies like a fire. The Holy Spirit purifies like a fire. So um, fire sterilizes and it purifies. You know, if you're in a bind, you can take a needle and put it over a flame and heat it and it'll, it'll sterilize it. We boil water. You know, if we have, ever have a bout of bad water, we boil the water because heat purifies. Well, Malachi chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says it like this, for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and re refine them like gold and silver. So a refiner's fire is not a wildfire. A wildfire is oftentimes what we see out west, you know, in the drought. A wildfire will crank up somewhere because of a lightning strike or a campfire that went rogue or something else, and it'll just start to chew its way through land. It will, it will you know, incinerate bars and churches and schools and you know, everything. There's no prejudice with it. It just burns everything up in its path and it'll consume playgrounds and uh, beautiful forest and natural habitat and it'll kill animals. and It's just a, like a smoldering wildfire. But that's not the picture we see of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He's not a wildfire. He's a refiner's fire. And so the purpose of a refining fire is not to consume, it's to refine. It's to make a better version of what's already there. A refiner's fire. So in this verse we see, it says that this refining was happening to gold and silver. And what it does, watch this, is it separates, when you put those precious metals in a refiner's fire, it separates the impurities so that the metal might become more valuable, so that the metal might live up to its true value, okay? You can see there's symbolism all over this. And the Holy Spirit is like a refiner because he purifies. Now look, fire sometimes is warm and cozy, but fire also burns. It's hot. And you've been taught as a child, as I have, don't play with fire. Fire's not a plaything. And the fire of God's not a plaything. Because there's some heat in there. <laughs> there's some heat in there. I, I, mean, I mean, the Holy Spirit's not the good spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. He's holy. He's pure. He has no dark shadows, no dark sides. He's altogether clean and righteous and pure, and he's holy, and he's powerful, and he's helpful. So it, I, I brought you a picture, because this is a modern picture, but you can see this is, a, of course, how it would have looked you know, in Old Testament times, because we wouldn't have had all this modern gear. But it gives you a picture. The way that a silversmith purifies silver is he takes those, those tongs, 
and he takes the metal and he sticks it into the hottest part of the fire. And he doesn't just kind of set it on a stand, the tongs, and then walk away and go work on something else while it's burning. He has to sit there with those tongs in his hand and he has to keep his eye carefully on that metal throughout the entire process. Because if you leave that piece of silver in that fire for even one minute too long, you will ruin it. It will be absolutely ruined. So this is a, this is a skill that's learned, that you put that piece of silver in that fire and, you, and what he's looking for is he's looking for the sweet spot. He wants to hold it in there long enough to get as many of the impurities out as possible, but he doesn't want to leave it one minute too long because it will, it will damage and it will harm and it'll hurt. Now, how does he know when he's got it right? When you pull the silver out of the fire, watch this, and it has a nice shiny cover, like a mirror, and the, and the silversmith can look and see his own reflection in it like a mirror. Don't you see why God has described the Holy Spirit like a fire and a refining fire? Because what he wants to do is he wants to purify you until we can see Jesus in you. He wants to purify you until the image of Christ can be seen in you and from those around you who look at your life. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit? He wants to purify you to make you like Jesus. Man, come on, do it in me. Come on, Holy Spirit. Is that your prayer? Man, refine me inside. Do the people around you see Jesus in you? Do they see church or do they see Jesus? Now, how I mean that is, do they, do they see you as a church person or a Jesus person? Do they misassociate you with some people on TV who talk about Christianity, who may be right, who may not be right? Do they mistake you for a political party, or do they see Jesus? See, I, I think one of the things that's happening at, at uh, Asbury, from what I can tell, I haven't been but from the reports I'm reading, it looks like to me one of the things the Holy Spirit's doing is he's purifying. So he's burning up some junk and he's purifying and he's cleansing and he's um, refining. Because boy, is that not a work that we, that we need in this time? Preparing us to be more like Jesus. Why? Why? Because let me tell you the thing the world needs more than anything else. I don't, I don't care what part of the Bible or anything else or your Christianity, your experience, you draw from. I can tell you the one thing the world needs more than anything else. It needs the clearest picture of Jesus we can give it. That's what it needs. That's what it needs. But the church... <laughs> it's kind of gotten sidetracked sometimes. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to come along and, and blow some of that junk out and burn some of that stuff up.
so that we, we, we're, we're refined again. We look a little more like Jesus. Matthew chapter three, um, I wanna go back to it again. We read it earlier. We read one verse. I wanna read two. I wanna read the, the verse we read it again and then I wanna read the one right after it that gives us a little more definition on this work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. Remember, we read this a few minutes ago. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right, that's the verse we read. Now look at 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What, what, is, what is this work of the Holy Spirit that's like fire? Well, we know from Acts chapter one and two, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on someone, when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive a courage and a power and an empowerment to be a witness, to testify about Jesus to the world. But also there's this other part that we sometimes don't talk about, this purifying and consuming and this holiness and sanctification and cleansing that happens that kind of burns up some of the chaff. Do you know what happens um, in, a, in a natural forest every now and then? A fire will come along, a natural fire will come along and burn up the weeds and junk and vines and all the things that will kind of strangulate the forest and prevent it from being everything that it could be. It'll sort of burn the ground floor of that junk away and then in time the char will come off the trees and this more beautiful, more healthy, more robust forest will emerge from it. And that's what happens in our spirit. The Holy Spirit is a fire that is holy that comes to burn the chaff and cleanse your heart and move stuff out of your heart that maybe doesn't need to be there. The Holy Spirit's moving and his presence is here and today you're not here by accident and maybe as the service has gone on or you're watching with us there online that your mind has gotten clearer and your heart has gotten clearer. And maybe just as you've sat in this experience here together, you're sensing something is stirring in your own life. And maybe there's a, maybe there's a hunger or an appetite or a longing for something to be different for something to be different inside your own life. It's not like a wildfire. It won't just go and just chew up everything around you. That's not it. It's like a laser-focused refiner's fire that says, now this is gonna hurt a little bit, but let's do some surgery. Let, let's, cut, let's cut some of this away. Why? Because you have such incredible value. And this stuff that's attached to your heart is harming your value. It's harming your purpose. <laughs> it's holding back what you could be and what you are designed in God to be. When the Holy Spirit works... All we're called to do is respond. Just respond. Invite, seek, 
hunger. Many years ago, I had a police officer that came to see me, and I knew, knew him a little bit. He had a child that died. It was terrible. It's a terrible tragedy. And um, he wanted to just talk with me, and I didn't know why. And we just sat for about an hour and talked. And as the conversation went on, the more I realized, wait a minute, this isn't just a conversation. This is some kind of divine appointment. God has set this up for some reason. I don't know. And as we talked, it just became clearer to me. I just felt urged by the Holy Spirit to say some things to him. Because when that happened, he turned his back on God, and that was it. He, he, was, he was gone and was still out there. But I was a new pastor in town, and he just, I guess, wanted to... He probably didn't even know why he came. But as we talked, I said, I think one of the challenges that you're facing is, is you can't forgive yourself. You think it's your fault that your child passed. And that's a, that's a wall between you and God. And so you've turned your back on God. And it was a long conversation, but here's what he said to me at the end. He said, you know, <laughs> while we were talking, this is, this is exactly what he said. I'll never forget it. Just me and him in my office, sitting eye to eye. I'll never forget what he said. He said, when you were talking to me, it's like my heart and my chest was on fire. He says, like it was burning. It was burning. He said, I, I don't know why. He said, what do you think that means? And I said, I think it means that God loves you and he's talking to you. But you know what? He left my office and he never surrendered to Jesus. He never did. And it perplexed me. It just, it just dumbfounded me. How can you have such an incredibly powerful moment orchestrated by God? I just happened to be standing there. I didn't have anything to do with it. Where you would describe it yourself as when we were talking, my heart was on fire inside me. And then not respond. Not respond. Always perplexed me. Today, nobody's going to push you. Nobody's going to control you. I'm just going to invite you. And all I can say to you is, is as this service has happened, maybe there's been something stirring in your heart and my encouragement to you is respond. My strong encouragement to you is respond. As, as we, the worship team's going to come in a minute and as we go to prayer, I want to ask you to look inside your own heart. Matter of fact, would you just stand with me? And I'm going to say to those of you online, our prayer team is live, and they're praying now. And you don't have to be in this room for the Holy Spirit to touch you. He can touch you right where you are. And um, anytime during this song, or even after we jump to the, um, to the studio for the virtual lobby, if you need prayer, our prayer team's there. We want to pray for you, for all of us. I want to ask you just to search your heart. 
And as we're singing this song and you look inside and you say, there's something missing. There's something missing in my heart. I want you just to open that heart to Jesus then. I want you to open it to the work of the Holy Spirit. As we're singing, if there's something in your heart that the Holy Spirit seems to bring up and say, I don't want that in your heart anymore. I don't want that to be part of your life anymore. I want you to open your heart to that and respond. Maybe you've come to a place where you're just dry. You're just going through the motions, living a, the best life you know how to live. Whether you're a Christian or not, I, I, I don't think most people try to live a bad life. You're just living the best life you know how to live. But you've come to this point and it's just, you're just going through the motions and you're dry. Man, I just want you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and say, God, do something in me. Would you, just, would you just close your eyes and let's pray for a moment then we'll, then we'll lift our voices together. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what only you can do now. I, I can't change anybody's life. I couldn't even convince that police officer to turn to you. I don't have any power to do anything, but you do. <laughs> and so Lord, I ask you this morning that, we, that you would just release in this place and in our hearts and minds your power and presence and grace and Lord, that you would begin to refine and strengthen and illuminate and show and lead and guide. Lord, your presence change us today. In Jesus' name.